0: Good evening, and if you're just tuning in, you're listening to 105.3 and 107.7 out of the beautiful city of New Orleans, the UFO Paranormal Radio Network. Or we like to also call it as by its other name, United Public Radio Network, or just easily UPRN. And this is the Angel Rock. I am what the host here of this show. I was going to say I'm one of the hosts because I'm used to introducing Thursday show. <laughs> but first, let me tell you a little bit about myself, then I'll tell you about my second show. Uh, I am a, my name is Laura Lee Potvin. I am a Canadian clairvoyant medium, crystal reiki energy healer, Akashic records practitioner, spiritual teacher and mentor. Very well versed in the paranormal budding animal communicator, And RN. And I also co-host a second show on the network here called The Thing at the Foot of the Bed with my very good friend. He's an amazing medium and angel channel. His name's David Hansel. That's 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Thursdays. And it's called, like I said, The Thing at the Foot of the Bed. As you as you know, we've got some of our regular people. We've got Kevin or Zun Dragon already here. This both shows are very audience participative, and we love to make you part of the show because if you weren't here, it would just be me and my lovely guest uh, having a wonderful chat. We'd like you to join in. Now, this month till the end of January, as you well know, we—well, I should say—I'll start over. We have our own TV channel on Roku, and for this month till the end of January, we're trying out the Angel Rock on the on Roku. So, if you want to watch it over there, you're going to go to the channel store and you're going to type in UFO Space P as in Paranormal. There's a drop down list. We're about the third or fourth one down. You're looking for UFO, space, paranormal, and United Public Radio. And as you well know, we stream also the thing at the foot of the bed over there. So that's another option for you to watch also if you like what you see please like share and subscribe and tell all your friends and family about our network it's been around for over 25 plus years and we have multiple amazing shows streaming seven days a week and when we're not streaming we have the archive server randomly picking shows over the last 25 plus years so there's something for everyone here okay i I think I have remembered everything I have to go off the top of my head I don't read a script but I'm going to introduce you to my guest now some of you are newer here because Angel Rock's going on five years being on this network and has been a show on a previous network years ago so it's been around for a while but she I think was on yeah she was on this network with me I think my first Mm -hmm. year and we've been friends ever since and we do touch base from time to time Mm -hmm. my lovely guest's name is Constant V. Uh, Victoria Briggs. She's a metaphysical, spiritual, cosmic researcher and writer. It is her goal to investigate the mysteries of the universe and how they connect to humanity. Tonight, we're discussing her two newest books about the mysteries found on the moon and earth, as well as chatting possibly about UFOs, ETs, all kinds of things. She's well versed in near death experiences, which I forgot to mention. I have studied professionally and personally for over 40 years, also had one as a toddler. And I also added, if you're a fan of, the ufology and strange and wonderful mysterious things on the earth and the moon you're in the right place tonight so welcome Constance I'm so glad to have you back.
1: Hi thank
0: you for having me I'm happy to be back. You you've been a busy lady because we touched base I think in the summer and the it please re- give me the whole title because I knew I was going to screw it up the first book that new one you had was the one about the moon right?
1: The moon's galactic history and its extra terrestrial connection
0: there you go and now you have another book out right and the, it do they go hand in hand it's is it go ahead and it's a companion it.
1: book it's a companion book or at least i'm calling it that the Earth's galactic C- connection and it's extra terrestrial connection the story continues
0: <laughs> wow okay so yeah. we had so much to talk about the last time you were on here because i think i even have one of your books before i even knew you and it was about angels i think oh And then the moon, you've written so many books, but please tell me, how did the moon book start? And then we morph into the companion book about the earth.
1: Yeah, the moon book started, it was interesting. I I had written a little book called the Encyclopedia of Moon Mysteries, Mm -hmm. uh, Secrets, Conspiracy Theories, Extraterrestrials, Anomalies, and More. Okay. And it's a mouthful. The reason I had written that book was because, you know, I, I had come across all these amazing stories about the moon, and some of them were proven, and some of them were theory, and some of them were mystery. All of these interesting things that were going on, lights up there, uh, structures found, etc. cetera. Uh, and people really liked it, but people wanted to hear my voice. I like writing encyclopedias. But they, people were saying they wanted a narrative. And it was good that, you know, they were saying, you know, telling me this because I had more information that I couldn't get into the Moon Mysteries book because, you know, there's not so much space. So what I decided to do is to write a narrative on the moon. I decided to, to approach it by telling the moon's story. You know, I, I kind of asked, you know, if, if, if the moon was telling its story what would it say? Because it certainly has one. When we look at the moon, we wouldn't think there was anything going on, right, with it? Oh, I don't know,
0: because, you know, uh, I'm okay. going to go in there. Joe, I, Aldo, the I, out I always try to. He's the owner of UPRN, and our, mm-hmm. we'll call it UPRN. That's the big, long title. And you know what? He provides this wonderful space for people to come together. And he mm-hmm. also has ICAR, International Center for Alien Research. I have missing time, never mind my paranormal story. My mother and Joe's done a 20 plus year study on RH negative blood, red hair and green eyes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't have that, but my mother does. Now She doesn't Mm -hmm. believe in any of this, but I blinked my eyes and ended up. Miles away from where I was in my own city, an hour and a half had passed. My car was in the opposite direction. I was amazed I had cell service. I was in front of this half moon shaped building, windows all broken out. It was somewhere rural outside the city. I didn't even know it existed. And Mm -hmm. uh, the reason why I opened—remember opening my eyes—my cell phone was ringing, and it was my husband going, "Where the heck are you?" I was literally supposed to just be going to the store, two minutes away, and be back. So. I believe in all this. And the other thing I'm going to add, I don't like the word conspiracy theory. I call it truth seeking (laughs) because Joe calls me conspiracy princess. I don't think I'm conspiracy princess. I'm a truth seeker.
1: Okay. Well, you know what? We are not conspiracy theorists. We are truth seekers. You are correct. Uh, But sometimes, you know, just using uh, the the verbiage out there helps to make things more simple, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, or if you want someone to, to read the book, I mean, they're only going to read it if some of them or if you use search certain you know, catchphrases. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for some people, it gets their, their, their attention and they'll pay more attention. But for those of us who are immersed in it, we know that, you know, it's the truth. You know, it is
0: so. the truth. Like I am yeah. at the point now, and I actually living where I live, smack dab in the middle of Canada, on the shore. It's on the shores of Lake Superior. I explain it to people. So no, you have to go through my city, going from the west to the east, or the east to the west through Canada, or uh-huh. if you want to go into southern Ontario or even into the U.S. further south, if you don't mm-hmm. want to go around the lakes the U.S. way. I'm about six and a half hours north of Minneapolis, Minnesota, but we have practically. Everything you could think of in the paranormal in this city. I have videos that I think are of some type of, well, say UFO. It's an unknown flying object. Like, we don't know what it is. And, um, yeah, people have accounts, you name it, Bigfoot, uh, Sasquatch, Dogman, hauntings. I have some incredible pictures people have sent me of things they have taken just in this, I don't know what it is. But this city's got some crazy activity.
1: Well, that's cool because it keeps you busy. It keeps you interested. Huh. huh. I wouldn't mind. <laughs> no, I'm going to back up a bit because
0: I forget. I, I will say how we got Zaf- Zafrius Rosnake. I hope I say this right. Rosnaki, I think. And Mish from Australia. We got Adriana and Nicoletta. She's one of our hosts. On the network, her show was earlier today. Negotiating happiness. Are you proud of me, Adriana? I I remembered, and I love Adriana. She's so sweet. Um, So, how did you get involved in all of this? Like, was there something going on in your childhood or uh, into adulthood? Like, how did you get involved in what we would call the paranormal
1: world? Right. Yeah. So you know what? I totally started off with what you know, I I I call you know the, the paranormal world, and then I thought my galactic.
0: all together because to me the paranormal is just anything that people don't think is the norm and i have a saying i what it is is what people think is the norm i think is actually the abnormal and the abnormal is the norm it 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 really seems that way when you start it it
1: seems to me that paranormal is really the normal right is that what you're saying yeah the paranormal is normal there is no paranormal but again it's one of those catchphrases that to get someone's attention, you can't say, "Oh, that's you know normal." You got to throw that para in there so they'll kind of pay attention and start, that's you know, researching them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So basically, um, gosh, when I was when I was young, I I felt like I had some sort of uh, pull towards something spiritual. Mm-hmm. I was always looking for, you know, the reason for being. Uh, why are we here? I think the same old questions you hear in the books. Why are we here? You know, why, what's our reason for, for being? What's our mission? You know, how do we get here? I searched religion. I was um, very, uh, for a while, I was uh, very much into, uh, you know, Bible studies and things, trying to find answers. But along the way, I would say, starting in my 20s, I started having different paranormal experiences. Okay. And um, so, you know, it just became a part of my journey of searching Mm that I had all of these strange things happening to me Mm -hmm. that I couldn't explain. And eventually, well, I mean, things like, um, you know, when I was living single, I had some entity in my apartment for for a long time, couldn't get rid of it. Um, I was in an apartment building. I do believe that entities come and go apartment buildings a lot because there's so many people coming and going. And They're energy, bringing, right? Energy's with them. They're bringing uh, beings with them. They're being, you know, so it's, it's, it's just coming and going. I think I crossed paths uh, with with something. So, I mean, I had that experience um, trying to get rid of it out of my apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned that, you know, we had, there are beings on the other side. Some refer to them as angels, another catch word because I think angels um, is more than what we've been taught here. You know, it's always, you know, being with wings. And I adore them. I adore beings with wings. And I adore anything to do with angels, but they are more than what we see in religion. And I wish there was a different word. I know that they're extraterrestrial in in nature because they're not from, okay? But I had experiences. where you know where I would was learning to call on them, and they helped. Um, wow. But somewhere along the line, it was really starting to get interesting. In my late twenties, I was living single, and I started having out of body experiences, conscious out of body experiences. Mm-hmm. And um, gosh, the first time I, I I left the body, and I I I was I lived single, and I I left I left the body that night, and I woke up in in the sky, and I knew. I knew what was happening. I knew what it was. I could look down. For those of you in Alexandria, Virginia, I lived right near the Woodrow Wilson Bridge. I could look down. Wow. And, and forth. And I knew what it was. It was amazing. And I've been leaving my body ever since. I don't know what, what kicked in or what happened. Maybe the entity scared me out of my body that night. I don't know, because it was doing all kinds of weird things in my apartment. I think
0: we can do it naturally. Like when we dream, I think that we astral travel and that can have OBEs and we don't even realize it. Not everybody, though. I think some people have to train to be able to do it consciously. Like this sounds like this is something that came very naturally to you to realize where you were. whereas, Whereas I've talked to people where they've done it when they've been sleeping, but they just think it's a dream.
1: Oh, yeah. It's so real. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, when I say conscience, I mean, like, I literally mean being out of the body in the sky going, Oh, I know what this is. You know, how do I, you know, get back? You know, and uh, but yeah, so I got life got really interesting there. I had those paranormal experiences with an entity I call learn to call on angels. But other things have happened to me, too. They continue to happen, but they're on a positive note, a positive spin. Both of my parents who uh, have crossed over have come back to let me know that they're, you know, well and fine. And I, I tell you, after going through 30 odd years of these experiences and this research, you know, it just comes to a time where it look, it just feels like things at one point came together. I learned about the angels, you know, there were, I learned about, you know, ghosts and entities. And it was like a step by step. And then I learned that I had guides around me. And they were telling me something about <laughs> extraterrestrials. I can, um, we all have ways that our guides can reach us. All right. So I can hear like, phrases not in my physical ears but just phrases that said just come in and um they were saying something about extraterrestrials and all this stuff i said are you kidding me so it took me steps to get to this point so with that said i began i started writing books on the spiritual Mm -hmm. the encyclopedia of angels the encyclopedia of god then i learned about the other side and i wanted to share that with people so they would understand how to reach and communicate with their loved ones. So I wrote the Encyclopedia of the Unseen World. It's a book for for newbies. I call, you know, for people who haven't heard the information, who don't know what goes on when you see the light, if you believe in the light or angels, go A to Z there. But then I moved into the cosmic and the galactic. And I learned that we are not alone in the universe. Okay. All right. So all of this came together I, I i had kids this was before i had kids like a kids i raised them i continued my research i did some writing but then you know it just like the, it was like downloads my guides were saying you know you need to work on this stuff you let people know you're not alone in the universe they're not alone in the universe there are others out there and that's how these books really came to be so i started with the moon because i was so fascinated Because I I had no clue growing up that the moon was anything more than, as they say, a dead rock in the sky. Well, like Michelle added, people, you guys, I see you. If
0: I don't get a chance to say hi, we've got uh, Julie Jean (laughs) Bassett here. You guys check her out. Amazing animal communicator. She's the shamanic practitioner. We've got Ruth Kleber here. We've got Roger Garza. So I'm sure Faye's in the background. Uh, Who else? I hope I didn't miss anybody else. If I did, I'm sorry, guys. But I see you and I hear you. But Michelle says she's over in Australia, probably getting ready for work. It's Tuesday morning. So thanks for popping in everybody especially like i said michelle getting ready for work probably she says i love how the moon affects the oceans and water and we are 80 percent water no wonder we are affected by it so did you find did you touch on any of that kind of stuff in your book or what did you touch on like that's why i said you didn't have to send me questions because i already have a gazillion to ask you <laughs> and that so is our audience going to have it too
1: yeah so in the moon mystery book i did touch on that the whole lunatic term analogy, um, talks about, you know, how the, the moon affects us because we are made up of, of water. So, you know, when it's, it's uh, we can feel its pool and it affects our moods. You know, it's, it's been interesting because um, on a full moon, there have been uh, police officers who have stated that there's more crime and it's more violent. A
0: nurse here, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt. Working, and after my first year of university, I worked as a non-registered. They called me, and they made up a title: non-registered nursing assistant. And I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, working in the NICU, any floor, all heck always breaks loose. It doesn't matter if it's medical emergencies, babies being born, people. <laughs> More violent, you and we would all turn to each other and say, "It's got to be a full moon," and somebody would check, and sure enough, full moon. Oh, full moon.
1: isn't, isn't mm-hmm. that something? And then people don't believe it. You have to have, you know, the professionals to come and say, you know, yeah, there's really something to that. Mm-hmm. There's, they call it that. Uh, there's a the word lunatic because of course Luna, and then you know they they added that. Oh, people really do can go crazy because mm-hmm. it is affecting our body, and it can affect the menstrual cycle. Oh, so, absolutely. You know, can you, now, can you imagine if we were educated with this kind of information? I say the all the time. time <laughs> right?
0: We can prepare. Can I tell this person here? So, Zafrias, you're asking where Constance's links are. We always leave time at the end, but your website is pretty easy to find. You want to let them know because they can find a pretty easy Constance.
1: Yeah, it's, it's Constance, VictoriaBriggs.com. Mm-hmm. There you go and guys guys i have to tell you i mean i mean i'm i'm trying to get started on TikTok, TikTok, and instagram but i am all over facebook i mean you can get me updates on there and ask me questions under constance victoria briggs you know i've got a couple of pages oh and i've got a moon mysteries page if you're on there look for the moon mysteries page because i'm always putting okay. information over there wow
0: Cool. Because I tagged you. I tagged you. I have two accounts on Instagram. I tagged you. I tagged you on YouTube. I tagged you on LinkedIn. I looked for you on TikTok. I didn't find you, but I figured either you were just starting or because I thought I I'd seen something with you. I took you... it down. I'm
1: going to start a new page. Okay, okay. I take the old one. Yeah, because I was sure that's I'd cool.
0: seen your page on there, so yeah. I'm looking for you. Oh, Howie, how can I, I forget again? Howie? Oh my gosh, I have to say hi to Howie. Howie Odell. All these people are our regulars. Michelle says she's off today in Australia, so she's here for the whole show. Awesome. Howie owns the Riff Nation Network. He has amazing programming over there, amazing hosts, and he's a big supporter of our network. And uh, my co host David and I are working on joining uh, Rhonda and Howie on his show sometime in February, hopefully on Sunday. Still haven't heard back from Dave yet, Howie. Uh, he's getting back to me though. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in there. Um, Oh, she said. He, oh, Zafrius just said, you know, Augie. Great, Augie is a good friend of both of ours.
1: <laughs> right. I was on his show two nights ago. Broadcast yeah. team Alpha. Sorry, broadcast team Alpha. Broadcast yeah. team Alpha. I've been on there three times, three or four yeah. times now. Love yeah. those guys over there, mm-hmm. Augie and Nori. Mm-hmm. So let's get into your
0: book. Like, what kind of? I know you're not going to give it all away, but some of the mysteries. Because the one question I'm going to start off with. And I've heard this theory and I don't know what to believe. Do you think the moon is actually organic or do you think it was manufactured?
1: Oh, I definitely think it was manufactured. It's <laughs> not organic about our moon. This is why I wrote the book. I was shocked. Mm-hmm. All right. So there was this um, ufologist uh, in the 70s named Don Wilson. Mm -hmm. who wrote a book uh two books uh the the first one was uh our mysterious spaceship moon the second one was mysteries of our mysterious spaceship moon or something like that but um i was fascinated he had uh put in a whole lot of stuff in there this one little book that i never heard of for example and this is where uh the manufacturing comes in you know he he Mm -hmm. talked about some of the uh The things that the uh, astronauts had had found on the moon and brought back on from the moon, you know, and and uh, uh, he was saying how it's there. Sorry.
0: Do you believe they they actually landed on the moon?
1: Okay, so I do believe we we landed. I believe we landed. Mm -hmm. Um, I know there are many people who don't, Mm -hmm. but fortunately, you don't have to believe that we landed on the moon to understand that the moon, uh, that there's something going on up there and uh, it's unusual, all right? Mm -hmm. So uh, there were these um, two scientists out of Russia. A lot of you might know this very famous story. So these two scientists out of Russia worked for the Russian government, put their reputations on the line by writing a paper that talked about how the moon was not... uh, Adjusted just a dead rock in the sky, how they thought it was a spaceship. Now, why two Russian scientists put their reputations on the line unless they had something there? Well, they were looking at the Apollo astronauts' uh, findings when they went up. All right, so they brought back this material from the moon, and basically what they discovered is that the moon was made up of these elements, uh, these metals that were so strong, they said they, that it couldn't be real. Mm-hmm. It looked just like someone had put this thing together, and that it was covered in some sort of coating to make it look like uh, a planet or something, mm-hmm. and was designed. They thought to uh, you know be sent across space. They said it was very very tough, very strong, and that it could withstand any bombardment of meteors and radiation or anything, and that and that it was probably hidden. And they wrote this. You know, I mean, Russia or the, or the, the, the Soviet Union didn't play. You no, know, they went to, just,
0: prison. Um, to prison in Siberia if you'd never hear or see of them ever again. This this want it. To
1: take something so lightly. But these mm-hmm. guys thought they had to, to say it. So they were looking at, you know, what they, the astronauts brought back by, the, the, the rocks and the coating of the, uh, the moon and all of this. And they said to them, it looked like it was a spaceship. And they believed that there were beings in it that had engines and, you know, all kinds of necessities to uh, go across space. And so that someone parked it here, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's where that, that uh, title, Spaceship Moon, if you've ever heard it before, that's where it came from. And those guys, those guys were on something. Now, in my book, I decided to tell the moon story. And I, I kind of started from that point. You know, I, I, I start I talk about how people believe that it's a spaceship, but the, the the theories behind why someone would bring the moon here were are several. One of the and I think the biggest ones is that uh, someone out there, someone way older than uh, the human race, some some uh, species of beings saw Earth and possibly thought it was a good candidate uh, for. For more life, and that it needed to be stabilized. And once they did it, you know, life flourished here. Um, it wasn't without growing pains, of course, because moon caused problems coming in. You know, it caused storms and earthquakes and all this. Now, how do I know that? Because there is a uh, artifact in Peru. Um, I, it's called the Sun Gate of Bolivia, and uh, or the Gateway of the Sun. It's got several titles. This mm-hmm. artifact in Peru, at a place where the ancients of that time uh, used it for an observatory. And on the writings of this, uh, this gateway, it says that the moon was brought in, it came in, and that it uh, created havoc, you know, Mm -hmm. in the world, and that, you know, it caused the days to change, uh, the time to change, the years to, you know, the the days, uh, how many days are in a year, all of that, the calendar changed. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe that the people from back then were playing a hoax. You know, I don't believe they were writing graffiti. They had no movies, reason to. Telling a story for us. And mm-hmm. it, it matched up really well with mm-hmm. what the, the Russian scientists were saying. that There was someone in the ship. The, mm-hmm. the ship designed to look like a moon or a planet. It's very interesting. Um, I'd like to tell people uh, my little fun my little fun story with this, and that involves Star Trek and Gene Roddenberry because I'm a Star Trek fan. And, and I, 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 uh, <laughs> you do. I really believe that, that his mission on Earth was to educate us about... I think
0: he channeled all of it. I think he channeled all of Star Trek and everything.
1: I, I don't know if he channeled, but I do know that he was sitting in on channeling sessions. I will
0: give you that. I just know somebody channeled that information. So her name
1: is Phyllis... Phyllis, I think it was Phyllis Schim, Schlimmer. I don't know how to say her name. Oh, I'm sorry. Was it a woman? Schlimmer or Schlimmer. Sorry? Was it a woman? I
0: was a woman. Now you know, why okay. Gene Roddenberry, that probably goes. I know I get it. all makes sense. <laughs> For the time period back then. Yes, that makes sense.
1: So he was sitting out on these sessions. And the story is that uh, she was channeling beings that said they were You know, located near Earth in a a giant ship, and that there were uh, beings from different planets on the ship, Mm -hmm. and that they were traveling the universe in a mission of peace, and they were here to help us. All right. They were limited in what they could do, but they were here to do what they could. And so she channeled this information. Jean was sitting in on it. And the story is that Star Trek was inspired from those sessions, and even some of the scripts. Were inspired from those sessions. So here's my little fun, my little fun moon part. Um, There was a script that he wrote. uh, The uh, the Earth is hollow, and I have touched the sky. Is the name of it? Not yet. Not the moon is hollow. The Earth is hollow, and I have touched. No, excuse me. The world is hollow, and I have touched the sky. Is the name of the episode from the original Star Trek series in the sixties. Okay. My favorite episode, even though I can't get the name right, right? Too many. Too okay. many that it's a mouthful. It's a mouthful. Right. So, so basically, in the story that Gene Roddenberry wrote that turned into a script, Captain Kirk and his crew were uh, on a mission to stop a asteroid from crashing into one of the federation planets okay. so captain and spock and a few others beamed over to this thing um and they get there to this asteroid it looked like an asteroid in space but when they first stepped off they saw structures on the asteroid and on on the asteroid uh two uh, okay. beings came out they were humanoid And they took them inside of the asteroid, which had an elevator leading down. This thing was a spaceship, not an asteroid. And inside of it, they had a a race of of beings. I forget the name of them. They were all humanoid. They had been living on this thing, traveling across space. The ship had been um, programmed to uh, meet up at a certain point where they would then exit this ship after thousands of years because something had happened to their planet. And the people on the ship thought they were on a planet. And um, I just wonder if Gene Roddenberry wrote that around something he heard. This was before uh, we went to the moon.
0: The moon, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: So that was very interesting because that is pretty much what is being thought about the moon, that the moon is hollow, that there are beings inside of it, and that there have been beings Outside of it now, why do we think this? I wrote it in in the Moon's Galactic History. I don't know if you guys have seen this or not. Um, yes, please
0: hold the books up for people because people yeah. do buy these books from this show. I can tell you because I've had people yeah. reach out to me and show me. Yeah.
1: So where was I? <laughs> so okay, um, the moon. Oh, right. the structures on the moon. All right now, w- w- even if you don't believe that the Apollo missions went to the moon. Before the missions, you know, went up, we had other, we had, NASA had sent up probes to the moon and they had taken pictures and it came back showing structures on the moon and all of these things. And it was a huge to-do, you know, big to-do at NASA with what we know now is covering covering up images, you know, xing them out, marking them out, whistleblowers coming forward and saying, you know what, I saw them covering up uh, structures on the moon on, uh, you know, pictures and all this stuff. So they did that, you know, when there was no before the astronauts were going up, we had, you know, the lunar orbiters and things. And um, so anyway, there are structures on the moon. And some of the researchers back then pointed out that those structures, the pictures that, that did escape being destroyed or, or X, you know, the imaging x out showed <laughs> going back and forth, sorry. I'm going off camera, I think. So I know because
0: it moves opposite to what you think it's supposed to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So um, the, those structures um, look like they have been blown to bits. Some of the structures right. look like they're intact. Some of them look like they've been through a war. And that really confused people. Not only were they finding structures, but they were saying that some of them look like they you know, were partial structures. So someone had been up there It looks like there was some sort of war. And um, if you put putting again, putting the Apollo uh, astronauts aside for people who just really don't want to think they went, you know, they were seeing lights moving across the surface of the moon way back to when the telescope was just, you know, had been created. Mm -hmm. So that had nothing to do with astronauts. You know, it showed that something was going on up there. Um,
0: yes, because yeah. Yeah, I'm going to throw in here and Howie O'Dell saying yes, lots of people are going, wow, wow, listening to this, because <laughs> um, you see there's people that look at the skies, obviously, but you would know this too, and many of our audience, but also, mm-hmm. there's people that tap into the live cameras, I think it's from the International Space Center. And there has been like, it looks like things coming off of the dark side of the moon like ships leaving Mm -hmm. ships coming in and somebody had asked is there a city on the dark side of the moon so you've got lots and some country bombed the moon and it rung like a bell somebody else said um I don't know have you heard that I I know I'd heard something about the moon ringing like a bell but I never had to look into it
1: Okay, so if I, if I forget that thought, let me know because I'm going to start at the beginning again and try to move up. Okay. I'm going to start from the 1600s. I'll keep
0: Michelle's comment up here to
1: remind us because yes, yes, I'll get yes. so into
0: I'm 20 million
1: dollars. I'm going to address it. So if you go back to the 1600s and move forward through time, right? They kept records from way back then. Yes, we did. And um, NASA knew it, by the way. They knew that something was going on with the moon. So those astronomers, some of the astronomers of old that, you know, were recording things, we kept records. They would say a number of them saw uh, lights moving across the surface, lights moving above the surface during lunar eclipse. They saw lights. They saw them in all geographic Mm shapes, colors, sizes near the craters. All over the place, they were seeing what they described as lights. Of course, they had no concept of uh, the UFO or a ship, so that's how they described them. Or they would say stars. Mm-hmm. All right, You know that they. And some of them were dotted around uh, crater cl- the craters, which we say now are ships lined up on the crater. That's what they were seeing, and they kept track of this. And um, there was a book commissioned by NASA. Okay. Uh, you know, put, to put all this together. So if you move it forward through time, it was oh, a scientific fact by back then. Because of all of this they were finding, they considered it scientific fact that people existed on the moon. So here comes, you know, modern day scientists and they're looking at the moon and they're thinking it's hot, it's cold. Nobody can look up there. Nothing can grow up there. Nothing can be up there. No, there's nothing on the moon. But then they've got this, I don't. I don't have it here in front of me, this little handbook. Um, put out by NASA. Then they had all that information and they never addressed it. They didn't say what it was, who was causing all that commotion up there. They just said, okay, it can't, it can't be, take place. So they left this huge mystery. So right. then the uh, astronauts go up and they, well, they send up the lunar orbiters, like I said, they sent up, um, before Apollo, there were Gemini and Mercury missions, you know, and there were the forerunners to the Apollo missions. And they were seeing stuff as soon as we were able to put those guys out there. And also, also Russia, by the way, Russia was going out too before anyone landed on the well, moon. There was
0: were a all- race, right? Like between uh-huh. the United States and Russia, if I remember correctly.
1: There was a race?
0: Like a race to get yeah, there, like whoever would get there first know. or do the most with it, with the research and the discoveries. And
1: mm-hmm. I'm just saying that they were all, as they were going out there, they were seeing things before we got to the moon. It was almost like, we were being followed or watched to see how far we would get. Interesting. astronauts ran into some problems with UFOs out there too. But anyway, so we finally get to uh, the, the Apollo astronaut. You're really talking about Apollo 11 was the first, landed the first men on the moon, but they were not the first ones to run into uh, uh, UFOs. All right. It was, I think, Apollo 8, Apollo, Apollo 9, 8 or 9, that went out and they first saw a UFO. Wow! And this thing was big and it was weirdly shaped. It was not a disc. It was white. They did get pictures of it. You can see the pictures on the internet, guys, by the way. And um, and they tried to cover these this these UFO up in the pictures with duct tape because they didn't have our technology that we yeah. do now. Or they didn't use a marker. They used duct tape. I call it the, the duct tape you know, But uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, Whatever happened, someone leaked, someone leaked a picture of the thing anyway. And you can see this, 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 this uh, UFO. So then they get to, to Apollo 11. They finally land men on the moon. And um, for the guy who was asking about the ringing like a bell, they crashed the um, ascent stage, which uh, was part of the lunar module. Into Mm -hmm. the moon, and it rang like a bell. Didn't really sound like a bell; it reverberated for a long time, and they couldn't. Howie said
0: that. I got to read his comment from you. He says, "Oh, look at what the shuttle filmed during the '80s, even marking found on the shuttle and the modules." He says, "Constance is on fire tonight."
1: Oh, I'm on fire! (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Thanks, Howie. Oh I've been hearing about this on TikTok. This is a thing right now. So Marshall, hi Marshall. Um Marshall Martin says with a laser pointed at the surface of the moon, they could hear any activity going on in it or on it. So governments know but what i'm going to add the new thing on tiktok i've been seeing and hearing because i do a lot of research for the thursday night show Mm -hmm. and um people are taking those laser pointers and they find green is most effective and they're shining it at the moon and certain star constellations and something is blinking back and it's oh no kidding
1: really Mm -hmm. okay i haven't seen that but um I want to address that, okay?
0: <laughs> so, See, so um, I told you we're going to have to ask me, send me questions. I have so many, and our audience will too, because we got such a great audience.
1: Um, I, yeah, I just, <laughs> I just want to say that when they crushed that thing into the moon and it reverberated, it wasn't us guessing that it was the moon was hollow. It was NASA scientists who had a press conference and said, you know, this shouldn't have have happened it, it seems like the moon is hollow we don't even want to address it this, this shouldn't have happened so they said it all right mm-hmm. and uh then they, they did it again a couple of um trips later they did it again and same same thing happened so um there is thought to be a lot of uh cavities in the moon open areas something someone lives in there or did live in there it would be interesting to go down into into the moon and 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 actually see it. And there is talk of there being um uh, craters that are bottomless. Now I don't know how they discovered a bottomless crater, yeah. but something like a bottomless crater reminded me of that James Bond movie where you know they had gone inside of or I don't know if they were filming it or something about them going inside. You could see these uh, the inside of this moon that they were investigating or something reminded me of the movie but anyway um so something is in there um whether or not people left you know it's debatable i they're still seeing lights up there so i think i think someone is still in there some people think there's a theory that they've they've vacated but i can't see how now what i wanted to say about that flashing lights so in my book i talk about um signs of signals from the moon and one of the things is uh, there was a time where there were lights flashing on the moon mm-hmm. and it kind of looked like there were signals coming from someone on the moon and, and and they were wondering, you know, the theory is that they were trying to signal Earth, you know, by flashing these lights. Like a Morse um, code kind of thing. That- like a kind of a Morse code, mm-hmm. you know, and it could be a thing. And it just really led me to believe that, you know, For whatever reason, there would be someone up there. You you have to wonder if there are some people stuck up there or trapped up there, you know, with some sort of government that won't let them go. Maybe they were asking for help, you know, because you know it's it's just weird. We have photographs of uh, ships, fleets of ships, looking like they're leaving the moon, and I would I would think, wow, where are they going? They're coming to Earth. Are those some of the ships coming to Earth? But you so you've got that, but then you've got lights flashing towards the Earth. Why are these two different, you know, peoples? You know, and the other thing is, Cepheus thing is not a, a spaceship, and it's even scientists are saying. I mean, not uh, organic, and is a spaceship. Even some scientists are throwing this out now that it's it's not organic, that that's is a mega structure. So if that is the case, then no, oh, I'm losing my, my train of thought. Um, I
0: hear you because this yeah. happens to me because you're thinking about what you're going to say then okay. you're thinking about that and if you're clairaudient or you hear it I'm here in spirit at the same time so I lose my train of thought
1: yeah I, I forgot I'm sorry guys well what I
0: do want to okay so Ke- uh, Kevin or ZZN Dragon his screen name he says he thought it was
1: white light flashing he white, recognized- white light flashing several is that what you mean um, yeah, because
0: that's what we were talking. Now I remember because I was listening so intent. We were talking about these flashing lights and why are we getting flashing lights coming from one side, yet the other side, we're seeing oh, ships coming right.
1: from so, the dark right, side. They're of- sophisticated enough that they. With my thought that they've got these ships, obviously. So why are they flashing lights? Could there be someone else? Could there be more than one group up there? And also, what I was going to lead into is the moon. Yeah, I remembered. Thank you. Mr. Von Dragon, <laughs> that's Kevin. Kevin. Okay. Yeah. Is 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 the moon a uh? Intert- is the moon a, a country, up to onto itself? Does it have its own government? You know, it's own culture.
0: because I got a question about that Galactic Federation because of what they're advertising with Gaia. And they got clips of Paul Hellier and another government official that was involved in this. Like everybody's talking about this in this series they've got out on Gaia right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I don't I don't watch Gaia. Um i like I that. I just either, you see
0: it like you see these clips if you yeah, i like
1: haven't i haven't seen the clips but it's been a busy holiday season <laughs> i didn't see much much in the last three weeks i'm just getting you know back to normal so if it's been out lately i i haven't seen it but i do wonder if you know the moon has a culture someone up yeah. there with the culture, not just a base of uh entities that are there For whatever because there is a theory that there are entities on the moon that are watching earth they're watching the solar system from the moon and reporting back and that there is a base on the dark side of the moon but Mm -hmm. maybe and maybe it's both you know you never know what's going to be going on on another world i almost feel when they
0: feel into it intuitively and i've heard so many stories i've heard one of the first moon missions up there they did run into entities and were told not to kind of come back i don't know what's true what's not i almost feel into it like it's almost like a refueling station but you're right why are we getting lights flashing almost more morse code like from the side we can see but the dark side cameras are, and it seems like they come in there and then some are leaving like it almost seems like they're going in like what for refueling maybe debriefing i don't know
1: anything could be going on up there and there are areas and I, i i did put them you know all in in my book we just don't know all i know is i believe there's someone there and i believe that they're inside and um they're inside but they also they'll come outside because um there are also buildings that look like they're intact it yeah. looks like there are roads up there. There are people who are getting imagery of craters with lights dotted around them that look like parking lots. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And what ships. And what were those things that all of those astronomers seen moving across the surface? One of them even said they thought they saw some kind of uh, animal or insect moving across the surface of the moon. I think they saw
0: something about that. Yes.
1: So, yes. yeah. And, and, you know, so when, so when you look at the moon, you don't know all of this is going on unless we're talking about it or people don't know. So I've kind of made it my job to try to get the news out to people so to make them think. Because I think we're going into an age where we're going to have to come to terms with not being alone. Now, how can, you know, in the universe, so people would say, how can we, you know, someone be living on the moon with the temperatures, you know, the the, the coldness, the darkness and the blah 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 but frankly speaking we are a young species a, i say that young, all
0: the time yeah we are a young species
1: mm-hmm. they didn't have to grow up on the moon they could have come in it could have been these could be totally different beings that started out originally and they could have the technology to move around on a a, a planet that is not hospitable mm-hmm. or to live inside or it can have some sort of you know costuming Uh, or suits not costumes.
0: that's what i'm thinking as i'm hearing you talk it almost seems like appearances can be deceiving so it's it's camouflage to look like what it might look like to say us we only speak from our perspective right people thought it was just a chunk of a rock and way up in the sky that illuminated right and then why does it illuminate every night did you were you able to look at that too like if it really is a spaceship What's their power source? How are they illuminating it? Why does it have so much pull on on all of humanity or anything living and even water on this planet? Like, why are we that? Are we like tied together with an umbilical cord almost? Like, what is
1: it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I do know they have seen uh, the astronauts uh, reported seeing domes, lighted domes. Mm -hmm. So if you look at some of the transcripts, and I think I have it. in my first book, actually. I talked about them in the second one, but I I think I had the transcript where they said, you know, that they saw domes lighted and it looks like some sort of energy going on down there. And they also said that they, something uh, I was uh, studying said they come up, the domes seem to to, to pop up here and there, which makes me think they're, some are lit sometimes and some are not lit, but the idea is that there's some sort of energy source uh, within the moon that is lighting up these domes these domes
0: you must have had a field day with augie nost because on his website AugieNost.com, i know you know he has so many incredible pictures of unusual things on the earth and caught on the moon and caught on mars and he tells you where he's gotten them from and where you could find them with longitude latitude say on mars and then let's talk about did you have you come across anything with pyramidal stru- uh, structures on the moon have you did you, did you in oh, your no. research
1: yeah mm-hmm. so you know in my let's see I guess it's my new book the galactic I actually get them a little confused sometimes excuse me audience the galactic uh, earth book well I, I put them that there are moon that there are pyramids on the moon in the moon book in the galactic earth book I went to a little more detail and talked about how the the pyramids may be some sort of universal symbol okay so we they found and have pictures of the pyramids on the moon. Fascinating stuff. But we've got pyramids all over the Earth. And then they found something on the, on Mars. Then That's they found something on, on Venus. Under the we've Earth. Got some, plot, some sort of strange monolith on Phobos. Phobos of Mars. One of Mars's moon. That looks like a monolith. Maybe it's a pyramid. Um, and it's just, you know, we just wonder now. If it's a universal symbol, so I know I saw that Misha or, or Michelle, Michelle was yeah, was talking about the moon in Atlantis, and this kind of ties in with. I'll highlight
0: is. that for you because it was a good comment. So she yeah. said, I, "I'm just reading it because eighty percent of our audience is audio." So um, Michelle says, "For a while, I thought that maybe the moon was a chunk of Earth, and that's where Atlantis went." Is that the so, way?
1: Yeah, I don't think it was a chunk of Earth, but I do think it was connected to Atlantis and the pyramids. So, this is there with this as a legend or tradition or a story somewhere. Uh, I can't cite the source right now, but it was basically saying that Atlantis had been a part of the moon. Part of the moon uh, was a property of Atlantis. So the Atlanteans had the ability to fly. And the idea was that they could fly into outer space and that they had put a city that was a part of Atlantis on the moon is what I'm trying to say. And um, that is a, a story. Now it hasn't been proven, we can't prove it, but I find that very interesting because we've got the pyramids here and we've got the same look a pyramid on the moon? Could there have been an Atlantean connection? But even if there were not an Atlantean connection, uh, we have uh, stories here, especially in the uh, Indian writings, the ancient Indian writings, um, that, that the gods could fly. And they went to space and, they, and I believe it may have been Shiva that went to the moon, mm-hmm. all right? And so even if Atlantis didn't do it, we have evidence that we did go to the moon, the gods did, or the gods took people there, somebody was going back and forth from Earth to the moon, and we have symbols, at least least with the pyramid, and uh, other monoliths that have been found up there that resemble the Washington uh, Monument, Uh, that we have the same symbols on both planets, which looks like we were connected. Now, what's interesting is the moon has craters that look like they were bomb craters. They were uh, yeah. from an atomic weapons. And so do we have that here in some of the, um, you know, jungles on the earth. And like South America, they found cities and areas that look like, you know, they were bombed long before we created the atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. And it, the, the, the story is that there was some sort of galactic war yep. either between Earth and the moon and Mars or the three of us fighting against someone else out there. But yeah, so there's definitely a connection and it could have been an Atlantean connection. You know, Atlantis, I believe Atlantis was real. I do. Plato said Atlantis was real. Mm -hmm. I don't know why people don't believe Atlantis was real. They believe everything else that Plato says, but they won't adopt that. Even though he said it was real, people say no, 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 it wasn't. No, no, he was just telling a story. So I believe there are just, there very well may have been an Atlantean connection. Mm -hmm.
0: See, now I work with two ladies and we connect with spirit and, um, We've connected, we believe, with some scientists of the past. Um, they found us. We didn't find them. And again, we've, I've had somebody ask me privately, well, what if it was, say, an extraterrestrial species appearing in that form? Does it really matter? We know that they're benevolent. We know that they're giving, they're not telling us what's coming, but they're giving us certain things to do, like with energy work and things like that. But the pyramids have come up. And talking about the looking at all the pyramids around the world, how they correlate to all the stargates and the solar system up above. And also they had asked us to not forget about the ones beneath the earth too. So, and when you start digging into the pyramids, I'm beginning to wonder if there were some sort of energy generator, or if there was some kind of correlation, because even when you go back to the periodic table, and I didn't know this till recently, that they knocked off a whole chunk off the periodic table when it goes Mm -hmm. into ethers and all that kind of stuff, right, too. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, did you come across anything like that with the pyramids, anything more? Or what are your thoughts on the pyramids with all of this? Uh. Oh, said possibly like a signal you said, right, or a symbol or connector.
1: Some sort of symbol, universal symbol or I mean I don't know as much detail about the pyramids and in, in, in energy. And I know that it is thought that they you know had some sort of energy connected to to the stars and the Orion, I think it is. Um but I don't know much about it's always
0: fascinated was. me because even Stonehenge and stuff they 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 almost match star constellations right. above. Right, so right. And then we've got the moon and then we're going to transition. We're, we're going to run out of time. I'm hoping you're going to come back because I know everybody's going to be messaging me afterwards. Can you have her back? Can you have her back? Um, <laughs> we have a whole hour left. <laughs> I know it's going to fly though because I want to transition also into the companion book about the earth because that's where I'm going with this. Like here we are, we've got our moon. And I know there's other things you're, if you want to talk about the moon book, there's so much to go through. You guys, you're going to have to just go out and buy these books because you <laughs> (laughs) are such a wealth of knowledge and I like I said I had some of your books even before I knew you because I really did learn so much you really have you've got a great writing style you provide so much information so like did you find any more connection to the moon to the earth like do you think they're like guardians then or what could that be do you think
1: oh some of these theories go you know really really deep so uh, for example, uh, if, the, if the moon were brought in here uh, and, you know, pretty much shows that it was, it was brought here in part, then the question would be who really was on that thing? And who brought it here? <laughs> who brought it here? So, you know, there is a, there is, um, a tribe uh, out, of, uh, out of Africa mm-hmm. who uh, said that uh, the moon... In their tradition, they believed that the moon was uh, sent across the universe. They called it an egg, that this egg was hollowed out by two brothers, two extraterrestrials, apparently, and sent across the universe and placed here. And that was written thousands and thousands of years ago. And, uh, you know, these, uh, I believe it was the Dogon. The Dogon was giving information of Sirius, but I'm forgetting the name of this tribe. It may have been the same, and I apologize if I'm forgetting that. Anyway, that was written thousands of years ago. And then you have the Russian scientists saying the same thing. So but the question is who who was on it? Now these uh reptilian reptilian gods, mm-hmm. according to the tribes, these these guys look like reptiles, this, uh, you know, human beings, uh, brought this thing over. It doesn't mean that there's who's in there, but it doesn't mean there isn't either, or there weren't. We don't know what they look like, we don't know who they are, we don't know why they they You know, came other than to help Earth. But the question that's very interesting is did any of them leave the moon and come to Earth? If you had a a species of being that was escaping, uh, I don't know, a a, a sun blowing up and they're flying across the universe to find a new home and they end up here, did they stay on on the moon or did they come here or some of them here? Or have they been going back and forth the whole time?
0: Well, I guess it depends who you talk to, right? Because I, my belief about that is, and then you get into, were you thinking of, is it Anki and An- Anki? No, I don't no think person?
1: it's, a, I don't think it's, I, I know a lot of people think it's the Anunnaki. All right, they do. They do
0: no, I, no, because I've heard there, I know there, I'm mixing up two stories here but I was okay. thinking of the African story but okay, so it's not the Anunnaki but I've also heard about the reptilians too and mm-hmm. and they get, you know what, there's a lot of ET species once you dig into this get a really bad rap and I'm not saying mm-hmm. that there isn't but what people forget, I think especially in this on this planet, in this I don't know I'm missing the word I want to say right now but where we are, we're in a duality right? So it wouldn't be too far to think that not one species can be completely evil, right? There's got to probably be some good and some negative. Plus, my co-host David had a really interesting point that really made me think. Mm -hmm. He said, okay, so what if we wipe out the good and the bad or the evil and the good or whatever you want to call it, and we just call it neutral. But because we're looking at something with our human eyes, and we call it evil or negative, maybe it's perfectly acceptable and a positive thing from where that that being may come from. I never thought of that before. And we're looking at it right with our eyes that in our society and our beliefs and our customs and cultures, that that's perfectly evil. And when he said that, because he had a guide, he believes, as a child that was a reptilian. And I've heard many people Mm -hmm. say they've had, same as Anunnaki, then you get in. I mean, there's so many different, beings from different planets that people connect with and say that they have guides with them i don't know like i think or like you say maybe the reptilians did come down here maybe they are here
1: yeah no that's that is i don't know that if they really are associated with them but i do believe they're they're out here and uh it took me a long time to even think that that could be
0: a truth because that wrap is where i'm going with this and i don't think that's right i think that we have a duality so just as in any other species and maybe i'm ignorant and looking at it with human eyes but i'm trying to be fair here
1: (laughs) well you know it's it's just like any it's just like you're on, on earth with groups There are good and bad in every group yeah. You know, I do believe that. You know, there was this one woman and 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 I was reading about her and I mean, you know, I didn't talk to her. I don't know if this story is true. It's something I came across, where she was uh riding in in uh driving in the desert. I think she was going to, from California to um Nevada or something, okay. and it was a long strip, you know, as you as you go out there. Anyway, she saw something in the road and she stopped or she had to stop and it turned out to be she said a reptilian being mm-hmm. and um, she uh, she didn't feel frightened. She said oh. the energy was so good and it was like it had placed itself there to greet her on purpose. And it did agree to her in a friendly way. I, I don't she, He wasn't really talking, but he was um, like telepathically. Telepathically, uh, communicating mm-hmm. and um, basically, you know, put her at ease and made her. Let her know that he wasn't there to harm her or anybody, mm-hmm. and I don't forget that because all I've heard is that they are the opposite of of that. Mm-hmm. So that story does come to mind um, when I you know, think about the lady. She said, you know, I mean, she was so shocked, but she she got to her and left, and she wrote about the story. that it's, it's been on the internet, so that just shows that you're right. There's a duality. And uh, I, I do believe that. And the same goes for the greys. Um, the greys are, there it's my understanding, is that there are many different kinds
0: mm-hmm. and that
1: they're not all evil. Agreed. Some are and some aren't. In fact, I've heard of stories where people have been in communication with them and they were their their little protectors, you know, and they gave them information and they healed them. And then you have the, uh, the flip side. So you've got good and bad in all, and in groups on earth, Mm -hmm. you know, with the war going on, I'm sure, you know, there's good and bad in in both groups. You can't, you know, pigeonhole. Is that the word? You know,
0: I uh, agree exactly with what you're saying. And to me, my question is because I was so, and I haven't had a chance yet to read your books and I look forward to in the future being able to, but, To me, that makes perfect sense with what you're saying about the moon, that it's not just this rock sitting in the sky. And I haven't believed that for a very long time, but then it brings so many questions. Like who brought it here, like you said? Um, I almost, like if you feel into it, I almost feel like it was a mixed group of people actually benevolent because if they weren't benevolent, You know what? I had this conversation with Joe Montaldo the first year I was here. And he said, let's face it. You know, people are so terrified about extraterrestrials. He goes, they're so advanced compared to us. If they had wanted to do something, they would have done it eons ago. And they would have. I think they would have. Maybe they haven't traveled here yet, the bad ones. I don't know. But I don't, you know, and especially everybody having a camera and catching how much in the sky and what's going on? Like, are we getting more visitors, do you think? Or do you think it's other agendas? with me no, I think
1: we're getting some I think, I think we're getting more. We've always had them. They okay. have been here since the beginning, but we're getting more lately. And I think that's because something is, is, is going to happen. You were saying something about the Galactic
0: Federation? You oh, I to- sure was. Because, okay, so what happened was um, I have my finger in many different arenas, looking at many different things, just because it's always good to try and stay and top. because I do a lot of shows too. You never know what you're going to talk about. And this came from an ex-CIA agent that's no longer with us. And it had no business belonging in his blog. And it just happened to pop up in my feed. And I don't know why I looked at, well, wait, we, there's no coincidences. So I guess I was meant to read it. And I started reading this blog and there's a whole YouTube channel. And then it started talking about the Galactic Federation and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I've always had my ears open to it. Now, Julie, I saw your question. You asked what the series is called on Gaia. I don't know. Cause like I said, I don't get Gaia, but they're, um, it's been coming up in my YouTube feed and I haven't been looking at anything AT or extraterrestrial. So I don't know why it has, but it's been advertised frequently and there's a Canadian that was high up in the Canadian government, Paul Hellyer. I'm sure you've heard his name before Constance mm-hmm. and he's talking about the Galactic Federation. Now I wish I could remember the other gentleman's name because it wasn't from the U S government. It was from another government, working in that program and talking about the Galactic Federation
1: Oh, well, um, uh, have a sheet I can't I'm trying to remember the gentleman's name from Israel he was a general he wrote a book and um, he was he says I'm, I'm basically he's old and and he's They're been old, yeah and got you know as so much money or whatever that he needed. I remember I was standing in my kitchen a couple of years ago, and I tell this story on podcasts sometimes because I was so shocked. He was talking about, they were talking about a book he had, and he was saying that we have men on Mars, and they're working with extraterrestrials, and they work with the Galactic Federation. And I kind of turned around, I was cooking. And I, and I went, oh, my God, I can't believe he's out of the Galactic Federation. I was so shocked to hear that on mainstream news. I had heard about the Galactic Federation, you know, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, but no one ever talks about it. And that's the Galactic Federation. And I think they're connected to the um, Ashtar Command. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that they're not one in the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, just those those two names. I had heard many, many, many times those titles. Uh, they're out there and they are, uh, supposedly these, these were the the guys that, you know, Gene Roddenberry was connecting with, and they are also rumored to be helping Earth. Now, why would they be helping Earth? Why would anybody be helping Earth? And, you know, um, I've been thinking about this for a while, and that is because we are new and we are defenseless. Yes, there is a duality, so that means there are the good and the bad. And the Earth is a, a precious, I would think, commodity out there in, in the galaxy because of all the life and all the resources. And who knows what bad things people may want to do, you know, when it comes to Earth. We, and, and, you know, it just looks like it's the Federation that may be protecting us. Not only that, but they're also said to be having uh, ships in the vicinity so that uh, if there is a worldwide catastrophe, at least some life can be saved and lifted off. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's really
0: something. This is the guy's name. I, it didn't give me the name, but it was a former Israeli space security chief. Yeah, it was him. He, I knew it wasn't from the U.S. He's, he speaks well, uh, really good. So I was looking out. Uh, said Gaia has a search option." Well, I won't be able to look it up right now. I'll have to look it up after. I took a quick look while we were talking. But I knew he wasn't from the U.S. And um, Galactic Messages, I think that's what it's called. I just saw it on on Gaia. So, um, yeah, so you've known about it for a long time. And it makes awful good, like, I could see why people are skeptical, especially if they follow Star Trek, not realizing that that's not the egg, that's the chicken, really, right? If Gene Roddenberry was sitting in on these
1: sessions,
0: right, and he heard about the Galactic Federation, and then you hear about it in a TV series, right? So I think that's why people have a hard time believing in it.
1: Well, one thing is that uh, it is speculated. That the extraterrestrials are using science fiction in the media to educate people mm-hmm. on Earth. Oh, yeah. Um, because there is something coming. Uh, so people are more open, due to that show, to their being beings on the moon and out, and out in space and on ships. And more and more people are fascinated by it. Even though some think it's kind of ridiculous, I mean, I have I have one of my best friends who said, "Oh yeah, Constance, you, you believe in science fiction? You like science fiction? So that's what they consider what I'm talking about and working on science fiction because you know they you know we have that 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 group that needs to be more educated. Um, and, you know, we have a mass landing here at some point." <laughs>
0: What's well, gonna thing, happen? If they don't know. About people it? Don't realize there's an old saying, right? Art imitates life, and yep. there's also something. I'll be careful I'll spell it just in case because we're on YouTube. But predictive programming, and if you guys take a look at certain things, we can even talk about. I'm not saying that it's like art is identical. Say in the Matrix. But there are some concepts that you look at within that series. Or um, another one I've been looking at is the Da Vinci Code. Because I am a huge fan of symbols, symbology. I love doing code breaking for puzzles. Like not even crosswords. Like code breaking. Things like that. And that's the problem. People, and I think it's my current husband I'm with, that I've been with for quite a few years, made me realize that there's so much that goes on when you walk in a room that people don't look at. They don't pay attention to, they don't pay attention to the little details or the overt signs and symbols that are out there. They're sending us messages. There's lots of messages all around us. We just filter it out, right? And look at the big picture. So I believe I believe exactly what you said. Yes, I think they are sending us information and messages through, if you will, science fiction programming
1: or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So I think that, um there, uh, the extraterrestrials are controlling a lot of this in a positive way, and what I mean is, mm-hmm. you know, we the people. I don't want to say that they're wrong, but they're, they they do blame the government. You know, a lot for so not yeah. more information, but I I also think that the extraterrestrials are limiting what we can get because mm-hmm. they 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 told the same gentleman from Israel that you were talk, talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. They they said you know. He, Humanity can't know yet because they're not ready. And they're not. not Sorry?
0: They're not. Look at January 1st at Bayside Mall in Florida. (laughs) The craziness that ensued.
1: Right, right. So, I mean, the extraterrestrials may have a time schedule that we're just not aware of. And also, we may be shielded to a point where, you know, we can't get but so much information Because they won't let it out. You know, there is a thought that we're kind of quarantined from some things that are going on out in the galaxy until we're ready. Because we're we're a
0: young race. Now, I knew this was going to fly by. I know I said that before we went live. We only got about a half hour left. Let's talk about the companion book. What you and i we've barely scratched the surface with your moon book and I know that we haven't, but that's good. Cause then people, I, I mean, I want them to come out and buy your books because she really does have fantastic books. So let's talk about the companion Thank book. You. So this is, um,
1: <laughs> this is the, excuse me. This is the companion book it looks okay. similar in the coloring too. Yeah. It's the Earth's galactic history. So basically what I, I wanted to do with this book is, is, uh um, let people know uh, what's going on out there, you know, that are, so, you know, your audience is so educated and informed. But like I said before, there are people that don't know. Nice. And I want, yeah, I, I, I want them to be able to start someplace mm-hmm. because I do get questions, contrary to my friend that thinks I write science fiction. <laughs> um, I do get questions from uh, on the other side as to what's going on out there. And um, this was a good place to start. I, I, I couldn't get it all in, so I'm working on another book. But it takes us from the beginning of history, of our history, to up to now as to some things that have been going on with extraterrestrials and how they have been interacting with us and how they, and I give theories in the beginning of what just may have happened in, in, in way back when, when we first, uh, when humans first appeared on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take away religion, um, yeah, because the book isn't isn't religious at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it talks about perhaps um, the Earth being terraformed by extraterrestrials. I you know that that may be where mm-hmm. uh, some of this uh, started. Uh, they don't have really the scientists really frustrating for them, but they don't have the answers to how life started on Earth. They don't have the answers as to the, where the moon came from either. If I didn't say that, by the way, they don't know. Mm-hmm. They have theories. And all of the theories have fallen by the wayside. And so they're still trying to figure out how we, well, how we came to be. So I talk about the theories of the theory that the Earth was terraformed, that there are advanced beings at a very, very high level and high age that had the means to do so. And it's not something that we are not talking about. If you go to NASA's website, they talk about the idea of maybe one day terraforming worlds. And, you know, we want to, humanity wants to spread themselves into the universe. And perhaps there are others who beat us to that. And that may be how we got here in the first place. So they terraformed the earth and they brought in all of these things. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, you know, they created uh, primates and uh, other life forms or, you know, mm-hmm. seeded them. Yeah. However, I mean, the theories are in the book. They may have seeded it, or they may have had di- panspermia, mm-hmm. which is a seeding, and then there's the direct panspermia, which is just trying to seed the earth. Once they terraformed it, trying to get, you know, life to, to start here, and, you know, were the result, or not. It could have just been the primates, and it could have been a whole other thing. You know, they talk about Anunnaki uh, coming in and creating humans. A lot, so
0: many people don't. That's the Enki and uh, yeah. I forget the twi- other twins name. But yeah. when you look at where the Dead Sea is and you see aerial platform views of it and it looks like it's been scorched and there's still high EMF and radiation coming from that area. Right? So... Yeah. What are the answers? Did you come to a conclusion? And I don't expect you to give it away, but did, did you, did you come to a conclusion or is there something you still just sort of left it up to the reader?
1: No, I left it up to the reader. I love that. No, I just think that we need to come together and have these discussions mm-hmm. and we need to have round tables on Zoom or whatever, wherever, all the time, trying to figure out who we are, how we got here, where we came from. I don't think that we can just take stories that were created two thousand, three thousand years ago and call that a fact anymore. Especially when that evidence, when that those stories don't line up with the evidence.
0: Well, the genetic and- markers. Like that's when I started the show talking about that with the Rh negative blood, mm-hmm. the green eyes, with the red hair, and it. And I've heard Joe saying two different numbers. He said it didn't exist before 70,000 years ago. And I've heard him say around 20,000 years ago, but some many thousands of years ago, that was not part of the human being's genetic makeup. Where did it come from?
1: Definitely, uh, if we weren't created here, we were tampered with, Mm -hmm. all right? It looks like, I'm not a scientist, so I can't address all of that. And um, But yeah, so I mean, there are a lot of theories and there, we could be the product. It's been uh, said that we're the product of several ET races getting together and making us. And then you also have the Anunnaki story, which is really compelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, uh, there's also the idea, you know, if, if we got here via the Anunnaki story, if, you know, there were not other ETs already here. See, so you talked about them. Uh, being in one area of the world. It didn't talk about them being all over the world. And there apparently were other beings here. If people are going to go by the Genesis story, which is really, you know, similar to the Anunnaki story, which, you know, they're saying it's the same thing, just two different, you know, books with the same story. You know, uh, Cain and Abel, all right? Cain killed Abel, and Cain was told to leave, (laughs) <laughs> and Kim was like, well, you know, there's somebody else out Actually,
0: there. I mean, really uh, similar, they really yeah, similar.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's someone else out there. Uh, so they're saying these two stories really are the same. Who are You know, I always say, if you believe the story, then who is it? Who else else out there? So my point is, there may have been one group, more than one group of humanoids that got here in the beginning if they weren't created or they were created here and some others came in. Because we have evidence all over this planet that there may have been uh, beings that existed before, you know, humans appeared, before mm-hmm. a written history. They're finding things that date back, crazy numbers that existed before we ever came about. Or were things they?
0: that we're hearing about, like the other thing that I am fascinated by are giants. Like we are hearing mm-hmm. stories about giants. Are they E.T.? Where did they come from? Dragons? Yeah. um You know, all of these things, my theory is, if we're hearing about these things, the fae, dragons, uh, giants, and we're hearing stories of people's encounters with giants even. Mm -hmm. So my theory is... That if it didn't exist, and we go back years before there was TV and all this stuff, right, hundreds of years ago, what did people do work very hard and, you know, would have their, say, their last meal of the, the day, and then they usually sat around by the campfire, right? And depending on what culture you were in, the elder would sit and tell stories of old. Now, to me, if there wasn't some kind of truth to it or something, they would have disappeared, And we still hear about it to this day. And then now with the advent of technology, and again, I always have to keep it in the back of my mind that I know, yes, deep fake technology is out there. People can pretty well make anything look like it appears and it's real and what have you. But we're going back quite a few years now. I've seen a few clips, rough and grainy, mind you, of dragons starting to be caught in the sky or you know there's all these creatures that we run into or when you go back through history that's interesting you brought up about other races because i have heard of a race of people they would they classify them as people but they had dog heads but they were bipedal and they had their own language and their own kind of if you will I don't want to call it a tribe, but big, huge group of people. Where did they come from? They live like humans, but they look like dogs and they walk like humans. So I almost have to say, like, I give a lot of credence to that—that that there has to have been more than one extraterrestrial species here. And were they creating life, and just the humans went out, or I—I I don't know.
1: Or I came here different different times, mm-hmm. you know, uh, different ships. Yes big you know and they could have been here before you know humanity showed
0: up humans right now okay so i always say this and i truly believe it that we are Mm -hmm. immortal we are everlasting as a soul Mm -hmm. and with many. and i know you believe this too Mm -hmm. and many lifetimes we've had and i've run into so many people whether they're talking about it or you've read about it, or even some people i've interviewed that Mm -hmm. You know that they'll have an encounter, say with an ET race, and they'll the ET race will say, "Don't you remember me? You are a part of our family." And the person doesn't remember. And it would be very foolish, first of all, to assume that we are the only intelligent race in this universe. Second of all, if we have many, many, many lives, yes, we've had lives as as other species. We have to have had, I believe, uh, rather than just a human existence what do you think
1: yeah i uh i've been thinking about this you know a while and it it, it seems to me that oh, wow this gets a little complicated indeed so let's just say we have our real self living inside of this suit yeah. body avatar okay yeah. and you can call like it, it the soul you mm-hmm. can call it the soul i don't like I like Avatar. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. I mean the person inside of the avatar, our true self. We can yeah. call it a soul, light being, astral being, whatever you want to call it. All right. Now that we could have uh been our original self and then came go into different lives to experience. And really what's important is that life you are in. You know, at the moment, that's what we're living and feeling and thinking. And then we leave and go out and we can go to another world and experience. That is one theory. However, we can also be that soul that went into a world that understands they can leave the body and go yet into another world Mm -hmm. and die. Let's say they go to Earth, they're born in Earth, die, and then go back to the world they were visiting before they yep. go back to the to the original place. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely.
1: There's like two deaths almost. So it kind of goes along with a theory. Not- I'm gonna
0: throw a monkey wrench in. I'm gonna throw a monkey wrench into this because I love where you're going with this. Mm-hmm. Is if the past, present, and future are all happening at the same time, mm-hmm. and there is no time other than on earth, it's a man-made creation, right? So, and I know as a medium that, so I got a dog hair, my cat's or cat hair, one or the other. Anyways, so I believe there is actually even just a portion of us, if you will, the soul, whatever it is that stays, mm-hmm. I call it back home. You can call it whatever you want. And then, so all of these lives we're experiencing right, are all happening at the same time, past, present, future, all of them. So it makes kind of lends credence to what you're saying that you could almost leave your body, go into, because I think there are people that can do that, that can go in between, this is gonna sound real crazy, people are probably going, what are you talking about? But I think we could go from life to life to life. If you really knew how, because some people are born with talents that just come naturally, or if you were taught or raised to believe that, that all people could do that. So yeah, you could die in one life, and go back to the previous one you are in. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a whole other thing in and in a, in a whole other level. And I hadn't looked at it that way. Yeah.
0: So, I and you know where I learned this was I've been fascinated by channelers. And one of these days I probably will dig into it because I keep feeling called to it. But I've always been able to automatic write. Nobody's shown me. You just kind of go into a tragedy you know what you write and you just start writing. And I'm left-handed to begin with, so it's a mess usually by the end of it. And then I always was trying to understand when you kept hearing the past, present, and futures happening at the same time. Well, logically, how could that be? And so it's called The Next Level Soul Podcast. And I happened to turn it on. He's got, he's got people from all aspects of life in the way of our field, near-death experiences, like just incredible people with incredible experiences. But he's had a lot of channelers on there. And one of them who says they, they channel a council of angels, she called, I believe her name's Belinda. She comes from a science background, never planned on doing this. And it made so much sense to, and I'm not doing it justice the way I've just shared it, but the way she explained it, I suddenly all of a sudden understood why the past, present and future are all happening at the same time. And it kind of makes sense because I know as a medium that, and my friend, my co-host David will say the same thing, we can still connect with somebody who's supposedly reincarnated into another life, we could still connect with them back, if you will, back home. How could that be? You will get mediums that will say, well, no, it can't be done. They've reincarnated. But something spirit gave me before was what we perceive becomes what we believe and it becomes our reality. So if you believe it's not possible, it's not possible. But if you believe it to be so, and we really are part of source or wherever we come from originally, where the soul comes from, that's a creator, that's a manifester, so we have that within us, right mm-hmm. It's all about mindset and how powerful our minds are am i am I losing everybody out there? I don't know, but it makes sense right
1: we're very uh we're very powerful, yes, um, yes. we're not you know these little by souls like my or here by, or by accident okay <laughs> <in our destiny. laughs> sorry. Or here by accident. <laughs> right. Or have no power over our destiny or our soul. or No, we're not like that. We're very powerful. And we come from a powerful source and a yeah. powerful place. And we're more than we remember and more than we know. And we can manifest things, Anything. situations, events, because we are powerful. Mm-hmm. But people don't know it. And it's just one more thing that we need to talk about, uh, you know, keep these, this going. So we can progress and lift ourselves up in this, in this world because you know, whatever's going on, somehow this, 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 I don't know, this is the part I can't explain, how it, how, how it got to be so negative with all of the powerful people coming and going. Why are they coming and going? Are there really some people that got trapped here? are stuck here or are not ascending or not going or that is affecting on the on another world or in the universe because there has to be a reason people keep coming in here trying what to we help
0: perceive help becomes, becomes what we believe and it becomes our reality and when you work with the paranormal or you work with and I have with souls that believe they're trapped or believe they can't leave or they won't leave because they're trapped in religious dogma. That is no insult in any way. And I always say, if you need religion in your life, you go do what you need. If it works for you, great. But there are souls that believe that hell exists. There are souls like when they leave here, right, because of the religious dogma and not remembering the past lives and they're stuck here. But they're not really stuck. Stuck? They're stuck by their own belief systems that they can't go on because of what they think awaits them for their deeds, that misdeeds that they've done in this lifetime, right? Right. It's all about um, mindset, I think. The power yeah, of mind. I know I could be wrong. I don't have all the answers, but it just makes sense.
1: <laughs> but you know, it's, it's good to to talk about it. That's my whole thing. That's my whole thing with writing the books. We need to be talking. And trying to, you know, get
0: answers. we got some great comments here. I'm going to read them quickly. So Julie Jean Bassett says you can do that with animals that have reincarnated too. Meaning when we were talking about passing from life to life and how you had said you could die in another life but go back to the other. Sandra Sharp says, how else would you be able to revisit your own past lives if you couldn't speak to a spirit who's already incarnate?
1: How else would you be able to visit? I, I'm
0: having a hard time wrapping my mind around that. You might have to you have to explain a little deeper, Sandra. Unless you get it. Yeah, a, yeah what you're saying. Or were you asking a question, Sandra? She'll she'll type it in there. I know she will. So Marshall says, and I have to agree, Marshall, with this comment. Trying to envision my past, present, and future at once makes my peripheral vision go nuts. Yeah, it, <laughs>
1: does. it does. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So, so what else is covered in this in the companion book? So you just looked at all of these theories about how did we get here? Yeah, that's just the first chapter. (laughs) Oh my God, that's just the first chapter. Holy cow! Okay, so what else have we? What else did you cover?
1: Um, a bit. Okay, so I I talk about the extraterrestrials in the ancient past, and a lot of people are are already familiar. With the the idea that the gods had come in and helped us. You know, I, I, I do want to say, though, that extraterrestrials in our ancient past made themselves known. They lived and walked among people. They did think a lot of them thought they were gods, but a lot of them didn't. You know, most of the cultures talk about star people coming in. Yeah, And they, you know, they see them as people Literally people from the stars, not gods and goddesses. And they lived and worked among people. And sometimes they even interact with them and married them. There's one story in there talks talked about a star being coming in, married a woman, had a child, took them back. Okay. Oh. So I go into all kinds of uh, accounts of our ancient past, but some of the more fun stuff. Um, and my, my favorite one is the, the chapter four, the ocean the Oceans, Earth's Final Frontier. So we see, yeah, we see a lot of UFOs today.
0: Coming out of the ocean.
1: <laughs> coming in and going out of the ocean. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're called USOs when they, you know, are in the ocean. And the question is, who are they? Where they come from? Why are they here? In fact, this book, I just have to quickly say, covers almost every corner of the Earth. Almost every corner of our Earth has, has been touched by extraterrestrials in yes. one way or another that people are not aware of. There are people who do not know that there are UFOs flying into the water. Okay? There mm-hmm. are. And they've been, they've been uh, seen. I've got Christopher Columbus in there who wow. saw UFOs, USOs. He called them lights. He said these lights were flying around us and you know, hit the ocean, went through the ocean, and there was light in the ocean. They've been around, all right? But who's down there? So uh, one lady uh, wrote a story anonymously. And even though um, this is not a proven story, it was just too fascinating to not put into the book because she said that she worked, um, uh, this anonymous person said she worked for an organization and that they had gone to look at beached whales one year. That were you know they were dead and it looked like someone had cut meat out of the out of the whales. It looked like they used a laser type tool to extract uh, mm-hmm. cylinders of meat, and I thought cylinders of meat out of whales. Someone was eating whale meat, mm-hmm. and so they called in uh, all of this equipment, you know, the Navy to bring all this equipment and go down there and see what was down there, what was going on in the deep waters, and they found. What looked like humanoid beings down there, that had weaponry and vehicles and housing spaces. Now, what's interesting is that when they moved around, they you know you you know you could see lights and you know and and they actually fired on the submersible with the equipment. Can we prove that story? No, but it was so interesting, you know, because she said this one, we can't prove it. But at the same time, there's a story out of Russia. Russia has uh, declassified a lot of its UFO files. And one story, and it's a very famous story for people who follow this stuff, where uh, the Russian Navy was under the deep waters, and they came across extraterrestrials, and they were ordered to try to catch, catch them. And they went and tried to capture one of these, these, these guys. It was humanoid. They, these, these ETs were in suits as well. They said they looked more sophisticated, like more sophisticated equipment than them. Wow. But they went to catch, catch them, and two of them died because they were fired on by some sort of equipment, not some, some sort of weapon. And the Russian Navy lost two people, and the others came back injured. Wow. So that's why I think this woman, I, you know, I don't think everyone's making up stories. I think they story. And I don't think the Russians were making it up and they put it in their files. I mean, this is not there's not even a doubt about their story. So now who were down there? They could have been extraterrestrials. They came in. Uh, maybe they too were escaping a planet. Maybe they were aquatic beings that came in, or if they could do both beyond land and in the ocean, but they live in the oceans to avoid humans because mm-hmm. they can. They have the technology to put housing down there. Um, also,
0: oceans are less than 10% um looked at around the world. Mm-hmm. I know you know this, but for people listening, what a perfect place to hide.
1: We've we've uh, actually um uh, explored more of the moon than we have of our oceans, and we've explored less than one percent of the moon surface. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what's down there, we can't go down there, but apparently. There are beings that have the technology to do so. So our scientists will say nothing can be down there because we can't get down there. But then again, like the moon, they're not explaining the lights moving around through there. They're not talking about Russia's declassified um, uh, information. They're not talking to the people who have seen in Florida, in California, in other areas, UFOs going into the waters. But they could be living down there. Uh, because they needed somewhere to live or they could be living down there to uh, mine the oceans or they could be living down there to monitor humanity but they're there it's a thing
0: <laughs> i believe it i believe it we're almost out of th- i hope you'll come yes. back it's just it's too long since the last it's been almost four years since i had you on so yeah, i can't believe the time have, i'd love to have you back on to talk more about this. Like you guys, Constance is a wealth of knowledge. Like we just touch on this little subject. She knows all kinds of stuff about different topics and equally just Mm -hmm. as fascinating. So where can people find you? I know somebody had asked early in the interview, as well as what he got coming up. And more importantly, where can they buy these fascinating books and your others you have written?
1: Right. So Amazon is the place to go always. Uh, if they, if you find them, they've run out. You can just Google the title. There's a lot of bookstores carrying them. You'll find them on the internet. But you can go to Adventures Unlimited Press. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the, I call them the Ancient Aliens uh, publisher because that's David Patchish Childress. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's my editor and publisher. But uh, Amazon is the place to go. Mm-hmm. What there do you. I have coming up? I've got three books that I'm I'm working on, and they are top secret.
0: So when the secrets out, Kit, are you going to come back, please, and let people know all about your books for sure?
1: yeah, I'd love to come back. And if you want me to come back before then, I will too. I'd, I'd love like to. to. Back. I, I know I'm
0: going to get a ton of comments after this, but <laughs> we're going to go, can you have her back on? Because yeah. I always, like I said, when you came on, when I was newer to UPRN and the numbers and people watching, I'm so grateful, but it's really, really grown. So I'm glad well, it's like to getting reintroduced to you on the Angel Rock. So I'd love to yeah. have you back on so we can talk about that after. And then if you could talk about your website too.
1: Oh, website. Um, it's VictoriaBreaks.com. If you have any questions or anything, just send me an email through there.
0: There you go. Yeah. Okay, we're already going. Great, great show, great guest. Uh-huh. Thanks, guys. Thank we you. appreciate this. Thank you for being here. And I thank want to thank you for say, having me. Thank you to everybody here in the audience. You guys always show up. Mondays and Thursdays. I know you support our network too. We really, really, really appreciate that. So if you ever want to get a hold of me to book a uh, energy healing, we do Akashic Records. Uh, I do. Uh, psychic i also do mediumship readings usually i just pull whatever needs to come in i don't make them separate anymore just when people book appointments we just whatever spirit wants and they're the person they're working i'm working with their spirit team wants i i just pull it all in there so um you can get a hold of me also i do mentoring i should add to and teaching what else do i do i think that's it you can get a hold of me on uh, facebook.com forward slash angel rock or better yet just reach out to me on any social media platform i'm either under the angel rock or Messenger is usually the fastest and easiest way to get a hold of me. Next week, we have Faye Garza. She used to be on our network. I was recently on her show, Faye's Angels. I think her hubby Roger is joining us, and they have Faye's Angels tomorrow night. Uh, Latino Psychic Visions is on Wednesday nights, and This Mug's For You on Saturday. They're back to just doing it on Facebook and YouTube, but they're still great friends of the network. So they will be here next Tuesday on the Angel Rock. But stay tuned, Thursday night, thing at the foot of the bed, 7pm Eastern Standard Time with David Hansel and myself. If you don't know about it yet, we had been promising and promising we have started it. We have a group on Facebook, The Thing at the Foot of the Bed. We announced it last Thursday. It's grown astronomically and we're so glad you're all a part of that. We started the group Constance because I'm showing lots of clip whips clips and things like that and then to try and show people where it is we thought we'll put it all in one place otherwise i will see you all thursday i thank you again constance thank you and i send you all so much love and light but before i go i forgot to tell you stay tuned there's more great content Uh, my friends philip and julia here, Cusa, have the horsefly chronicles coming up next you don't want to miss it see you now
1: on thursday everybody thanks Bye bye bye